Hello and welcome to the Aftershock post-game show. My name is Alex Morgan. I'm here with the one and only Robert Jonas at PayPal Park after the San Jose Earthquakes 2-1 loss to St. Louis City SC. This ends their home unbeaten streak uh, this season. Stops it around, what is it, nine or ten matches uh, that we've had at home so far this season. Not for a lack of opportunities in San Jose. 14 shots for the Quakes, nine on target. Why weren't they going in tonight, Robert? They were good, but not great shots. I think it was a big part of it. I don't think they ever really got St. Louis's defense off of uh, off balance in any way, and, and shot them. And then uh, Berkey, you know, what are you going to say? The guy made the saves he had to make, and especially in stoppage time, and kept that two-one lead for the visitors. Two stellar goalkeepers at either end. Yep. A, a few particularly remarkable saves from Berkey. You had the Christian Espinosa shot in the top corner that he put wide uh, that late chance uh, from Tommy Thompson another header from Rodriguez and down at the other end you had Daniel in goal make one of the best double saves that I have seen uh, in my time covering the earthquakes but but once again it feels like the the quakes are letting Daniel down he's been one of the best goalkeepers in major league soccer he showed again tonight why he's considered one of the best goalkeepers in major league soccer but the quakes don't have what it takes going forward I mean, stopping penalties is not easy. He did it once this season, but doing it twice is going to be a big ask. And then uh, Mensa had a little bit of a brain fart on the uh, the corner kick there and allowed for the easy header to get that first goal. There looked like a little bit of defensive breakdown. And and that's it. You know, in the run of play, you know, Daniel was doing exactly what he needed to do and, and looked fantastic out there. So, you know, a tale of uh, two goalkeepers getting their job done, but uh, one team you know, getting, taking advantage of the, uh, the the opportunities that were presented to them. And the Quakes just not making it difficult enough to, to, to score tonight. Okay, so let's, let's we started with the goalkeeper position. Let's break this one down, yeah. uh, you know, slowly up the field as we go. Look at the, the defense tonight because, mm-hmm. you know, we saw Jonathan Mensa return to the starting lineup at center back tonight. That's after a, a, a few games where he's been on hiatus. He had a disciplinary issue uh, with the team. Then he got rehabilitated back into the squad, but still was not starting. Uh, Lucha Gonzalez was still starting Tanner Beeson yeah. over him. Wednesday night, we saw Tanner Beeson have a howler at Houston. Yeah. Quakes allowed four goals, many of which were his fault. So uh, we, you know, we expected Jonathan Mensah to return to the starting lineup tonight, but this didn't feel like the Jonathan Mensah that I remembered from the beginning of the season. This is not the Jonathan Mensah that had a rock solid partnership with Rodriguez at the back, who was very composed, who was yeah. winning his tackles, who was covering the midfielders, who looked like, you know, the, the next, uh, you know, Victor yeah. Bernardez or, or Clarence Goodson. That's what the Rodriguez Jonathan Mensah partnership looked like. That's what we were saying at the, the, the start of the season, but that's not what it felt like tonight. No, no. You might see Jonah make a bad pass here and there, but tonight it was uh, the mental lapses. You know, I think the uh, I'd have to see the replays a bit more clearly. The the foul that led to the penalty kick just looked like the kind of I don't want to say a lazy defensive play, 
but something a center back needs to be smart about in that area of the field. You know, if you thought he was outside the area or close enough to the outside of the area, you're still fouling a guy moving away from goal. It just makes very little sense. And then, you know, again, on, on the set piece corner kick where they got their first goal, he's sort of drifted away from the forward and he does kind of make a late move to try to contest it. But by that time, it's too late. You know, the, the ball is getting slam dunk on Daniel to, to give the first goal. So a couple of those mental lapses, something we haven't really seen from Jonah yet this season, you know, somewhere where he looked plugged in the veteran that he is. You know, this was uh, the first time maybe that that rust kind of maybe played a role or maybe just not feeling the confidence that, you know, because he's been on the bench for these last few weeks. That's absolutely right. And he was making rash challenges across the field. It was not just yeah. those two goals. It was not just the header that he missed. It was not just the penalty that he gave away. There were a couple other key St. Louis opportunities that happened because he was stepping in and not winning the ball because he was not tracking where yep. he needed to be. This was a, sort of a, a, a across the table, a, a poor performance from, from John. And, you, and you mentioned, I remember one first half uh, case where Rodriguez and, and Mensa almost looked at each other like you got it. And the St. Louis guy waltzed right in and almost had a good, good opportunity. They mm -hmm. recovered just in time. I think Rodriguez recovered just in time to get that ball away. But again, just not connected, not kind of in the game enough mentally for me to, to make the difference tonight. And, and so where does this leave you, Robert? Because we've seen Tanner Beeson struggling. <laughs> now we've seen Jonathan Mensa struggling. Do you put Beeson back in there for the California Classico? Do you, do you, do you keep Jonathan Mensa and trust that he'll figure it out? I, I trust the veteran here, yes. I believe that uh, for, for, for Mensa, he will look at this game. He will take uh, responsibility for what happened. He understands that those are the kinds of mistakes you cannot make. And I expect that'll be a little bit of a wake-up call for himself to, to step it up. Having said that, it'd be kind of interesting to see Tanner get the start back at his old stomping grounds at Stanford. And uh, and uh, I know he'd be totally fired up for that. One way or the other, he's going to be fired up. He love, you know, They love uh, going back to the farm to, for those games. But uh, I think you got to go with the veteran and you got to trust that he's able to, to shake off what was uh, not his best performance. I think he would admit it and uh, bounce back Saturday. They got a full week of rest, a full week to, to really digest this and, and, and get things turned around for what will be a, a very important uh, home away from home game. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think that even though we saw a poor performance from Jonathan Mensa tonight, and maybe we can understand now why Luchi Gonzalez was keeping him on the bench yeah. for so long, I think you have to, to stick with the, the veteran who has proven that he has what it takes this season yep. and can lead the San Jose back line. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he still has some lingering confidence issues uh, given the, uh, this extended uh, run that he's had yep. on, on the bench. And so I, I just feel like these defensive issues though are leading, you know, giving me the sense that there's, there's a comment here that I want to want to get back to that, that San Jose are leaking oil right now. We have Jamin Moore, a producer. If he can help me find this comment and bring this comment back up. It's Christian Acosta. Christian, by the way, who I had the pleasure of meeting uh, as I was walking into the stadium tonight. So shout out to Christian uh, and, and all of our, our, our wonderful community of, of Quakes fans. But but I think this comment is, is right, Robert, mm -hmm. because even though the team has put together a, a solid like set of results in this last month and a half, even though they've got two wins, three draws, two losses. That's their sort of last batch of games, which is which not bad considering they've been playing Seattle. Uh, they've been playing LAC, some of the top teams in, in the West. Their performances haven't been up to snuff. They've lost the XG battle in each of their last seven or eight games. Yeah. Again, tonight, they lost the XG battle. But 
that might not be entirely right. I know that at the end they had a few chances uh, that might not have been yeah. been factored in. But but regardless, these performances feel like they're not at the standard that they were at the, the beginning of the season. Is is that your sense? Does it feel like this team is losing steam? It does, although I think it's also uh, opponents have kind of uh, adjusted a little bit to to how the Quakes are playing, how Lucci has, you know, adjusted a little bit of the way, especially the the wing play this this uh, this year. We saw Christian Espinosa really take the league by storm, and when it was in everyone's MVP list there for the first month or so, got Player of the Month, in fact, in the second month of the season. Deservedly, and uh, you know the Quakes uh, have been going a little bit uh, back to the well a lot in these games, and not getting the results out of the Espinosa mm-hmm. train that the, that kind of led them to where they were. And so when when he's struggling, and maybe it's not that he's struggling, but teams have started to make adjustments that lead to his effectiveness dropping, it just cascades throughout the offense. I mean, Jeremy Abobasi was was uh, almost anonymous tonight. He had one that one very good pass for Miguel Traco that opened him up, and uh, Berkey made, again, the great save that he had to make early in the game. But other than that, j was not a, really a non-factor on, on the offensive side of the field. And, and I think you actually saw, for the first time tonight, it felt like, Christian Espinosa, Jeremy Obobas, he looked very visibly frustrated yeah. in a way that we haven't seen them before. I, at, when uh, Tommy Thompson had that final chance in the, the last minute, uh, Jeremy Obobas, was on the other side of the box. He was hoping for the cutback. When, when Tommy didn't cut it back and when he missed it, Jeremy Obobas, he was absolutely livid. Yeah. He was screaming. He was throwing a fit. And then when that final whistle blew, you saw Christian Espinosa punt the ball as high as he could in the air. They were collapsing on the turf. This team felt like it responded poorly to this loss. More, they were more despondent than we've seen them in, in, in past matches. Is, is that because it was their first home loss of the season? Or is that because you sense a, a little bit of frustration starting to build with the fact that teams are starting to figure them out, the games are getting harder, and they're having trouble adapting? Yeah, and I think you, you've got to say there's probably a bit of hangover from the Houston game as well. I mean, that you know that takes a lot out of you mentally and even physically to have to deal with that kind of break here on a real quick turnaround for this game. You know, we know Lucci was not happy with that performance. There was probably a lot of discussions going around the team about you know bouncing back, and so you bring some of that anger and intensity into this game, and you walk away losers again. Yeah, that ball is going to get punted pretty high. You're not going to be happy. You can't. You're not going to walk away with your shoulders down. You're going to be angry. And it, it's uh, it it. I think in a sense it's good. Maybe that you know there's a little bit of that intensity, but at the same time, you know you know let's they got to turn madness into production somehow, and that's got to be you know on the field and not you know kicking the ball after the game. So and and I think you have to give credit to St. Louis because they shut down San Jose yeah. very very effectively. They made it frustrating. They made the game frustrating for San Jose uh, because of the way that they were pressing. Obviously, St. Louis, the beginning of the season, took the league by storm for their gagging pressing. That's how they were able to beat the Quakes, you know, three to one in St. Louis in in the reverse fixture. That was probably San Jose's most comprehensive, worst defeat of the season. This wasn't quite that game. This wasn't a repeat of that, in part because St. Louis don't have – all of their players. They don't have Joao Klaus. Uh, They don't have uh, three or four of their, their expected starters. They've also tailed off a little bit, but, but the principle I think remains the fundamental remains. They made it very, very difficult for the earthquakes to play the ball through the middle and to play the ball out of the back. Every single time the earthquakes got the ball 
in midfield, they were immediately swarmed and they had to send the ball right back. And, and there was a couple of almost comedic strings of play in the second half, especially where every single time that Quakes tried to make a pass forward, it was shut down and they'd lose it. They, they had trouble stringing together passes because of the way St. Louis were pressing. And, and it does make me worry that their play is becoming a little bit predictable because they don't have a ton of options uh, going forward. They, they had to play Jack Skane at left wing today. We've seen everyone practically on this roster at left wing. We've seen Tommy Thompson at left wing. We've seen Buddha at left wing, Benji at left wing, Jack Skane at left wing. Next is going to be Danielle Tanner Beeson starting at left wing because they don't have other guys to rely on for goal scoring production other than Christian Espinosa and Jeremy Abobasi. These patterns of play have become very predictable and the way that they build through the middle has become very, very predictable. And, and it all relies on getting the ball out wide direct into Christian Espinosa, into Jeremy Bobasi for, for those uh, layoffs and, yep. and then yep. looking to switch the field. But teams now know that. And so they double team Christian Espinosa when he gets the ball. They make sure to press him. They double team Jeremy Bobasi. They double team all the midfielders. And the Quakes haven't been able to figure no, out a way around that. You know, I, I noticed from the very beginning, I mean, the Quakes were getting some crosses. It looked great at times. But St. Louis was really smart about their placement, too. A few of the cutback crosses were easily stabbed away. If they tried to slam the ball through the six, you know, there was a defender ready for it as well. You know, they were doing a very good job of marking in the area and, and more than importantly, marking the space in the area. So there was no opportunity for a late run from a from a quake to get into a scoring position because those 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 places weren't there. The, the defense was not getting sucked to the end line. And, and and kudos to St. Louis for really playing a, a really good game model tonight. And, and and again, just let the Quakes have the ball, let the Quakes cross the ball, but never let the Quakes get shots off those crosses. It, it really only felt like there was a five-minute period where San Jose were able to get their midfielders up the field yeah. on the ball. That was the first five minutes of the second half. Mm -hmm. That was when they scored. That was when Jackson Ewell, the, the one time he got on the ball with face in front of him, you know, in the, the final third, yeah. he played that ball in to, to Jameer Montero and, and the Quake scored. You saw it a little bit in the uh, the last few minutes as well. You saw, you know, Nico Shakiris able to, to carry the ball in the final third yeah. a little bit more. Uh, but as Jack uh, is saying here, the full press was real and the Earthquakes were, were not able to, to find a way around it. And so I, I do want to maybe consider the fact that there are some mitigating circumstances here, Robert. Sure. As you mentioned, it's the the end of a, a three-game week for the Quakes. They, you know, they had the game at Houston in the heat on Wednesday. They had the game here against Portland last weekend. Mm -hmm. So it was a pretty brutal, grueling schedule for them. And we know this isn't a team that has a lot of depth, especially with a guy like Kate yeah. Calagon and other players having also been on international duty. Is that any excuse for, for the Quakes play tonight? Could you could you see the fatigue begin to accumulate? Because it, it felt like the fatigue was accumulating a little bit. Maybe a little bit, but I, I wasn't uh, I wasn't seeing guys walking around too much. I didn't I didn't feel like the team you know, was was as exhausted as they were you know letting the frustration sort of kind of dictate some of the behaviors. Um, we even from the subs, you know, uh, I, I remember seeing uh, Nico Shakaris a couple times, you know, gesticulating at guys that he didn't think were in the right position. 
And, you know, he's only in there for the 10 minutes at the end of the game, and he's already showing some frustration at the at the movement. Now, maybe that's frustration. Maybe that's just a little bit of uh, chemistry. Nico hasn't played a whole lot yet this year. Uh, and again, it, you know, St. Louis, uh, you know, did everything they could to create that frustration at times. So to say the Quakes were, were tired, I'm not sure they would say that. I'm not sure I saw them, you know, looking as exhausted as just, you know, flat out frustrated by what they were being, uh, facing tonight. Yeah, there was there was one big red flag for me tonight that 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 cued to me this is a team that is struggling mentally right now and that is how many confrontations there were with the referee yeah. because the referee is is never the problem right the referee is 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 if you're if you're complaining about the referee usually that means something, something else is right. going wrong and the the blame and the frustration is being misdirected deflected onto the referee and look it's not even worth talking about the referee's performance tonight Sure, maybe there were some annoying calls uh, here or there that, that that he got wrong. But that was not the reason yeah. that the earthquakes were frustrated. They were frustrated because St. Louis were making them frustrated yeah. because they were getting stuck into challenges and they were winning fouls. Yeah. St. Louis only won so many of those those sort of, you know, ticky tacky fouls because they were getting to the ball first, because they had numbers and because they were putting themselves in situations where they could win easy fouls. And that is what was frustrating the earthquakes tonight. And, and that's the reason that there was a sort of red flag for me is if you're ever talking as much about the referee as the earthquakes were, if you're ever that frustrated about it, something else is going wrong. And, and I think that's the case tonight. So uh, you have any, any, anything else to add on, on that front? Uh, I mean, a little bit. I mean, the, the PK obviously changed the game, you know, for a pretty good spell after that. Mm-hmm. fact, you could tell the frustration. And again, I think you're right. There was a, a lingering idea that, you know, they were hard pressed by by what happened in that situation. But, um, you know, they, they were getting the calls too. some. I mean, it wasn't as if the ref was only calling this for St. Louis. I mean, I, I noticed multiple times where Quakes were getting the calls that, you know, I mean, a nice embellishment here or there to ensure that the whistle was blown. It seemed to be going both ways. So if you're going to say that, you know, you're, you're right, it had to be, you know, maybe there is something behind you know, going a little bit higher up in terms of that frustration. I do want to say one thing about the starting lineup. I mean, the only real difference in the starting lineup from what we might expect on a weekly basis was Jack Skane out mm-hmm. there. And, um, you know, I think it's, uh, it, it's worth noting that he is the one responsible for pressing the ball and getting it loose to get that goal tonight. You know, he pressed the ball loose, got it to Jackson, Jackson, then passing to Miro for the, for the goal. And, but, you know, that's in the center of the midfield where we might expect. Hey, thank you guys for joining us tonight. Uh, we're going to be joined by head coach Luigi Gonzalez in just a few moments. Thank you guys for your patience. We're hearing from the Earthquakes PR. We're going to be speaking to Luigi Gonzalez and a player very shortly. So, Robert. You were saying, yeah. So, you know, I think uh, you know that the, it's interesting that you know Scan gets to start, but you know we haven't seen a lot out of Benji this year. I mean, to to maybe you know take over Cade's spot. Um, I, I'm certainly not going to you know necessarily call Tommy Thompson a, a viable starter at this point. Um, and then, yeah, maybe Jack's the the next guy up. He he looked like a really good central midfielder, although playing on the wing, like we like we discussed, and looking a little out of place at times. I think you mentioned, too, at times during the game, he did seem to be drifting into the more natural position. It happened happened to work, and he got the steal, and, and uh, let, that led to a goal when he was uh, truly in that central position on the on the turnover. Um, but, you know, as, as, a, as another winger, he wasn't able to do what maybe Espinosa was doing. On going to Luchi Gonzalez right now, but we'll, I want to pick up where, where this conversation left off, Robert.
Unmuted. Hey, everyone. Uh, good night. Uh, can I just get a quick mic check from someone uh, really quick, please? Unmuted. This yes, is Alex. Hello, hello. Muted. Oh, perfect. Cool. Yeah, let's get started. Um, we'll go straight to questions. Let's take a first one from uh, Alex Morgan. Alex, go ahead. Hey, Lucci. Uh, thanks for speaking with us tonight. Uh, I'm, you know, this felt like a frustrating game. I think maybe you could see uh, some of the body language of the players feeling uh, particularly frustrated after this one. Uh, is that because it's, you know, the, the first, you know, home loss this season? Is it because maybe there's a lot of load on the players uh, because three games in one week and, and not being able to pick up a, a win? Where, where does the mentality of this team feel like it's at right now? Look, first of all, proud of the guys. You know, like we, we had the longest streak at home without a loss, earning points with wins and draws in, in the Western Conference. And we're really proud of that, you know. And, um, and we thank our fans to give us energy and to push every game here at home. I feel like we always re represent ourselves at a high level, pushing games, intensity. Um, and, yeah, it hasn't been perfect tonight. Tonight didn't go our way. We lost. Uh, we're definitely disappointed. That's what you're going to see in the body language because we're really proud of what we represent here at home. Um, and, you know, we, we got back into the game. We, we had a great response. You know, we started strong. We started strong, unfortunate on, on their goal, on the set piece. Uh, got composed in half and came out, again, an aggressive, intense, attacking-minded. And we created our first goal. And I was really confident we were going to turn the game around. Um, I felt like we lost composure. We showed maybe a lack of composure or control in our decision-making and maybe with some fouls and, and obviously giving away a PK that, you know, it almost feels like we, we beat ourselves, you know, in, in that situation. And, and you know, we, we, we need to manage that better. We need to manage the emotions. We need to manage the games better when things don't go our way. And, and I think tonight was an example. So we pushed at the end created chances uh, to tie it. Didn't, it didn't happen. Credit to St. Louis. They're, they're an, an efficient team. Um, and, uh, and now we've got to bounce back. We've got a good week to rest and build our, our momentum in a good training microcycle and, and play a game that we're going to be really proud uh, to, to respond, which is Galaxy. Next question, Jamin Moore. Unmuted. Muted. Yeah, Berkey, Berkey's a great goalkeeper. Um, he made some good saves tonight and at the end there, um, making a, a game-winning save, obviously, on Tommy's shot. So, um, yeah, he, he's a very good keeper. And, and then we have our own very good keeper in Daniel and our own very own good group of keepers with, with uh, our, our, our depth. And then our, uh, I always say that, you know, with our goalkeeper coach. So, um, Daniel has uh, performed really well, couldn't make the PK save, but when we do concede a PK, which which we shouldn't in, in a case like tonight, but when we do, we we feel very confident in, in Daniel's ability to <clears throat> to stop it, um, and that, that that's going to help us, I think, throughout the season. Let's now go to Abel Angiano. 
Hi, Luchi. Thanks for taking the time to answer my question. It's kind of a weird question, but are you, in a way, glad that you spotted these mistakes before going into the next game, which is a rivalry game? That means a lot more than just how many points you get out of it. Thank you. Yeah, definitely not glad. Um, we want to win every game here at home and, and, and show our best every moment, home, and, home or away. So uh, I'm happy with the fact that we performed uh, in a very protagonist way. I felt like from the first whistle, uh, we were on the front foot. We were creating things forward. We were pressing well, we were covering the ball. We weren't really creating shots in the first half, even though we were in, the, in and around their box and in their half. So we talked about improvement of the final action, the final cross, the final shot and combination. Um, and we were much more dangerous second half. And that's why we tied the game. But then again, I thought we, uh, there was a moment and they're a very physical team. Uh, they frustrated us and we committed some fouls that we don't need to in, in our, in our box and around our box. And that, that, uh, that unfortunately led to, to a situation where now we're down to one and, and then, Look, I'm proud of the guys and how they responded again to push till the end. And I, I thank our fans and their energy. And uh, they saw we were trying to push the game, but um, it wasn't uh, it wasn't meant to be. So Galaxy now, yeah, okay. After the game, it's uh, yeah, I'm glad to to learn lessons that things that we can improve and we can control with uh, with owning it and and working on it and training and in video and doing something about it next against Galaxy. Next up, Michael Roberson. All right, Coach. Uh, are you um, a bit surprised how well St. Louis is playing it within their first year? And then also, uh, uh, Dinner Ryan getting two goals. How frustrating was that? Uh, one player pretty much won the game. Yeah, look, St. Louis is uh, congrats to them and their stadium, their fan base. Um, you know, uh, it is a, it is a historical city of the game. The game has been played there for more years than most of our cities in the, in the league. So they've always had that soccer history, um, and uh, and they're performing well. They're 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 a very intense team. They press well. Uh, they play full throttle style with ball and without. It. So you know they're a handful. But I really like the way we approach tonight. I really believed in how we. Uh, impact and show our identity and our way of playing. Uh, and I, sh I thought we showed it in many moments in the game, but you can still lose uh, and still and still have good performances. Um, so, you know, congrats to St. Louis and and uh, we're going to look forward to playing them again because uh, we're not happy with them celebrating in our locker room right now. So you got two more in English. Uh, first, Robert Jonas, followed by Kevin Green. Uh, thank you. You mentioned it was a good performance, and I, I would agree that it looked more – it didn't look like an exhausted team. It did, it looked like a frustrated team, and, and you're, you're starting to get into the schedule. This will happen next week where you're playing a team for the second time. You've learned a lot about uh, you know how they play. They've learned a lot about how you play, and the adjustments looked really you know positive this week. Um, how do you channel the frustration from tonight's performance, and you know what type of adjustments are you hoping to see out of the team as you do get ready for Los Angeles uh, this Saturday. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, we're all frustrated. I, I, I was definitely frustrated myself, just not having, you know, I thought we did enough to tie the game, get back into the game, but losing a game here at home 
front of our family, our fans is, is going to be really frustrating, especially when we had the momentum going our way right after the half. So um, it's going to be doing what we continue to do. It's, it's be ourselves. I have no doubt in this group. I have no doubt in the staff and I have no doubt in how we're working and how we respond. I thought we responded fantastic tonight. And, and, and you could see it in the first minute of the game. Uh, but we still lost the game. So let's let's know that let's grab the things that we know that we did much better with energy. Like you said, that we had more freshness. I know we had this midweek game and but we did a good job in the rest and uh, the guys put it gave it all on the field. They put everything on the in the game. Now we're gonna have even more rest. And why can't we do even better against the galaxy? So it's doing what doing the same things we've been doing and channeling that frustration into an opportunity to to do something about it um, next week. Go ahead, Kevin. Hey, Coach. Uh, with sorry about the echo there. Um, with Kate out of the lineup today, can you confirm what it is you asked uh, Jack to do? And do you feel like you guys have enough in the squad when you're searching for new answers deep in the game? Look, I thought Jack uh, did well. You know, um, gave us like Cade esque moments in terms of verticality, runs in behind, power, speed, combinations, aggressive in the press. Um, so, you know, he's been working really hard and not really been getting a lot of opportunities because of the competition. And But with Cade gone, there's competition there. And, and I thought Jack did a, had a positive performance. Uh, he has similar physical tools to Cade uh, and technical tools. So credit to a young man who's had a great attitude, been a great teammate. Um, and helped us compete tonight. And in terms of the depth and the, you know, we, we've earned uh, what we've earned. We're in a situation in the table that um, if we had playoffs today, we, we'd be playing a, a playoff game. And, you know, had we won tonight, we'd be at home for playoffs. So, like, the margins are, are, are very small with all the teams, um, but we definitely have the team to continue to compete in the right way. Um, and we want to fight to get our momentum back in terms of earning points and getting another streak here at home let's earn another streak let's earn a longer streak that's 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 what we would love to do but it's going to happen one moment at a time one training at a time one game at a time um and, and that's the only thing we can we can do about it but you know i know every team's an analyzing their roster right now it's a summer window and we're going to do the same and uh and we'll see if we need to do anything but the team today without a change is, is going to compete well in, in this conference and in this league and let's take one last question uh, now in Spanish by Paula Maruri. Muy buenas noches, Luchi. Mi pregunta es así: ¿Qué pensó eh, de la intensidad de los últimos 10 minutos y qué, cómo vio el rendimiento de Nico, número 30, y su contribución en el juego cuando entró con mucha energía y las oportunidades que creó? Gracias. Muy positivo. Los chicos dejaron toda la cancha, empujaron. Pusimos pelotas en el área, eh, cambiamos a un 4-4-2 con Buda y Llevo arriba, y Nico en el medio campo. Eh, y Nico positivo, casi metiendo gol con su disparo, conectando sus pases, casi asistente con Tommy ahí al final, que el arquero lo, lo, lo salvó. O sea que muy, muy bueno el impacto los, los que entraron y, y, y los que jugaron 90 minutos dejaron todo en la cancha y yo tengo que ser orgulloso de eso. Lo que nos frustra, claro, es, es que no no jugamos un juego con un buen control emocional, ¿no? Y, y con más compostura y, y con calma. Regalamos un penal, regalamos jugadas de foul que 
normalmente con mejor control de las emociones no, no, lo, no lo hacemos y, y eso es difícil hacer y ganar al mismo vez. O sea que tenemos que mejorar eso. Thank you, everyone. Uh, give us uh, two minutes. We'll bring Jack Skin here to ask you a couple questions. Good night. Thank you. And there you go. There you hear from Luchi Gonzalez, head coach of the San Jose Earthquakes, after their two to one defeat to St. Louis City SC here at PayPal Park. We'll be speaking to a player in a moment, but I want to ask you, Robert, what did you take away from that press conference? I think you heard Luchi Gonzalez admitting that the team had trouble controlling their emotions in the second half, yeah. but generally more positive than I might have been after that performance. He said, and I quote, the Quakes were the protagonists. I don't think I agree with that characterization. Also that the earthquakes were going to put together another streak of home unbeaten, <laughs> which unfortunately would stretch into next season, given that they are past the halfway point in the major league soccer uh, schedule this year. I, I mean, I, I think everyone here would love to see it go into 2024 if that reality came to be. But If they uh, make a long run in the playoffs, possibly, it, it with the, the, the three-game uh, right. uh, well, playoff series Keep now. winning at home, win a few on the road. <laughs> you might even get to host MLS Cup, which would certainly give you a longer streak here at home. But uh, anyway, that, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's putting the cart before the horse <laughs> in a significant way here. Uh, I... I asked my question as we got closer to the end there, because I, I did feel that, you know, Lucci was not going to, you know, be upset with tonight's effort. Either there's nothing in his voice, there was nothing in his answers that made it seem like uh, he was going to be as upset as, uh, as he said, as he say after the Houston game, yeah, where clearly that team was not, you know, hundred percent into that game. And, and so, you know, it, it's, you know, for me, it's about the learning. I, I do feel it. If you look at this game, uh, again, albeit an, a St. Louis team missing its DPs versus the St. Louis game they played in St. Louis, the Quakes looked tremendously better. They they had made adjustments. Now that press is still really difficult to deal with, but they weren't just getting blown off the field and turning the ball over every every other moment. They were able to hold a lot of possession in ways that you know gave them opportunities. So looks like we have our uh, our guest coming up. Here. Jack Skane, coming right up. All right, everyone, we got midfielder Jackson here with us. Um, let's take a first question from Jamin Moore this time around. Unmuted. Hi, Jack. Congrats on the start tonight. Just talked with Lucci. He indicated that he felt you brought some Cape Cowell-esque energy from the left side tonight. You know, how did it feel for you to get a start? And, you know, what did you see from St. Louis tonight? And, you know, what, uh, what do you think worked well? What do you think did? Thanks. Yeah, it felt good to get the start. I mean, disappointed I uh, couldn't get a goal. Um, I mean, San Luis is a good team. They're a tough team to play. They press well. They transition well. Um, I thought we had them on their heels at the start of the second half when we scored and then give up a tough penalty. And from there, the game changes. But I think um, they're a good team. They're tough to play against, I think that um, it was unfortunate to give that penalty away because we, I think that we had them. Next up, Kevin Nguyen. 
Sorry, we got some echo. I'll give that a moment. Uh, Jack, can you talk about what's it been like staying ready for your opportunity? You know, Coach said that, you know, you haven't had those, but you've kept a good attitude during training. And maybe where do you see yourself best on the field? Um, and is that evolving? Um, yeah, I mean, just you have, to, you have to understand the situation you're in. And, um, you know, for me, it was it was going to be that, you know, the, that the reality was this year, I probably wasn't going to be a especially to start the year, the, one of the main guys. Um, so you just stay ready. You just keep practicing hard. And your body's fresh. You feel good because you're not playing in all the games. Um, um, sorry, what was the second part of that? And where do you, like, see your best position on the field? Because, you know, you were asked to play on, like, the, the wing today. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, I'm a winger. I'm a center mid. I played winger in college. Uh, for four years. I got here and played center mid for three years. Um, I played both. Next up, Alex Morgan. Hi, Jack. Um, congrats on the, the start uh, today. I, I'm curious, you know, because you've been playing, as you say, in the midfield for the last three years for this team, um, you know, when it was that Lucci told you, hey, we're looking at, at you for the the left wing, how long you've been practicing there for, how, you know, how long that's been in, in the works and whether you think it's something we could continue to see going forward, especially with, you know, Cade's absence. Yeah, preseason I was playing on the wing and the middle. I mean, Lucci knew me in college, so he knew I could play on the wing. Um, or even I've, I've known him before college, I think. But, um, yeah, I can – I think that continuing to play on the wing, I mean, I hope so. Yeah. I think that I bring some, um, I, I bring a lot of speed to the wing that is, you know, I think it's tough to defend. And whether that's the right or the left, for me, it's pretty interchangeable. It doesn't really matter. But yeah, I've been playing there since preseason and the middle. Let's go Robert Jonas next, followed by Michael Robeson. Uh, thanks. You know, Jack, you really look like you were coming into the game, especially as the first half went on, which, you know, seemed to, you know, make sense to me as someone who hasn't been in that lineup uh, you know, for much of this season. And things really started to click for you. But I want to focus on the start of the second half. You mentioned it as well, coming out strong. And what was it that you and 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 the rest of your your midfield mates saw that that really allowed you to to create that scoring opportunity? If I if correct me if I'm wrong, but you were the one who made the step that loosened the ball and got that play rolling. What was it that you saw that uh, allowed for that play to develop? Uh, I think that at half we just as a team we decided we were going to you know put some pressure on them. Um, and they played a ball across the middle that is a tough ball to deal with as, for a center mid. And, you know, I, I thought it was a good opportunity to jump it, poke my foot in there, and Jackson made a good play after that. But, um, yeah, I think we just wanted to bring pressure higher up the field. And we'll finish with Michael Roberson. Okay, so uh, when you guys had the moment where you – tried to tie the game up at the end and it came very close. Um, was there the frustration of the first loss or non-tie here at the uh, PayPal part? And then how about 
the scenario that this is a first-year team and they play this well so far in the season? Um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the game, we're just pushing the score to tie the game. Um, their keeper made some really good saves. He's a really good player. Um, and, and yeah, they, I mean, St. Louis has done a really good job in their first year. I think a few teams in the past, you know, maybe four or five years have given a bit of a model on how to do that. And St. Louis has done it well. They've got good players. They've got an identity. Um, and they've gotten some good results. Well, thank you, everyone. This uh, concludes tonight's post game press conference. Thank you. And we are back after speaking to Jack Scan after the San Jose Earthquakes 2 to 1 loss to St. Louis City SC. Robert, this was the first time we've heard from Jack Scan in a while. His first start of the season. Uh, I believe, on the left wing, not a place that we've seen him play before, though evidently a place that he is comfortable and has played before, uh, which we were not previously uh, aware of. Uh, yeah. What did you make of, of his performance and the way he stepped in? I, I, I said it to him in my question as well. I, I really felt as the game was developing, he was getting more and more comfortable with the play. I do think, though, that, you know, you're you always going to run the risk in a position as important as the wing is to the Earthquakes offense, that things are not going to be quite in sync. You know, we saw that with Miguel Trauco. You know, his his passes were were less, I'll say, creative or, or adventurous when it came to passing to Jack. He was trying the longer ball to Jeremy Bobasi. He was, you know, you, as we've seen often, you know, cro crossing the ball or passing the ball to the opposite field and getting the play going. But there wasn't a lot of interplay that uh, that we, we saw between him and, and Jack in this game. And I think, you know, that was uh, just a product of not having the familiarity to do it. It was great to hear that he's actually played more years as a winger than as a central midfielder, if you count college and, and maybe preseason. But, uh, you know, that's only on the training field when it comes to a Quakes uniform. And, and uh, these are his first minutes in that position. You don't just walk in and have complete chemistry with the guys around you. I do think that Jack Scan's presence in the starting lineup tonight does mean one thing. And, and that might mean that Benji Kakanovich's career as a San Jose earthquake is is on the on the rails. What, what do you yeah. make of Benji Kakanovich's absence He's on the bench tonight. Benji Kanich is available. He's coming in as a sub. But the fact that Lucha Gonzalez is choosing Tommy Thompson as a starter over him, is choosing Jack Skane as a starter over him, that's that's got to mean that he's on the outs, on, on his way out this summer. I mean, it, it probably got a lot to do with what we're not seeing on game day, which is going on in the dressing room, which is going on in conversations. You know, Benji had a very good year. He was pushing Cal last year. For, start, for starting time. Those he was two, the starter for and, large portions and, of the and, season. And, and deservedly so. He was playing with a, an intensity, with an effectiveness that we just haven't seen yet. And, you know, a player regressing like that, it feels that it's it's not the coaches, or I can't say that for sure, but it doesn't feel like it's the coach's responsibility. That's on the player. And if the player can't step up to the, to the new expectations – you know, he's going to find himself on the bench. It, do, it does feel like he's been the, the one major casualty of the, the Luchi Gonzalez yeah. era. It was clear from the start that Luchi Gonzalez did not favor Benji Kikanovich. No, no. uh, and he, he, he was, you know, never really given uh, a huge opportunity. And, and when, when he was on the field, he, he wasn't impressing. And so, look, 
maybe that opens up a, a spot at left wing. If the, the Quakes have said they're in the transfer market, we've spoken to Luchi Gonzalez, who's confirmed they're on the market uh, for new additions this summer. Uh, you'd expect maybe Benji Akinovich is the piece that they can move to, to add some cap space. Possibly, yeah. I mean, it's not going to be a huge savings in cap space, as we know he's not on a large contract. But, you know, any sort of move, and if there's any kind of transfer fee you can get for him, great. That's just pocket change that you can then move forward and, and see what you can do to strengthen this roster. We were talking a little bit off camera. The roster is thin. This is not a new story. We've been talking about this uh, for the entire season. You know, as the subs were coming in tonight, it never felt like, oh, now things are going to get rolling. It just felt like, okay, maybe some status quo, you know, or maybe not. And I, I was I was trying to uh, remember when Benji first touched the ball in a meaningful way after his introduction tonight. And I don't know if there were many truly, uh, you know, you know, you know, touches that made any impact on on the team's performance tonight. And that that's you can't have that. I mean, <laughs> if this is your first guy off the bench to play an important offensive position in the way the Quakes play, Benji's not cutting it right now. Unfortunately, all of his touches have felt like we're at the halfway line with his back facing goal with two players on his back. There not, are no, not no positive yeah, not contributions positive, that he made to the attack. And, and I think this this sort of touches on a, a bigger debate that we started to have in between uh, the, the, the two press conferences yeah. about where the team is at this season and the fact that it feels like they're trailing off a little bit. It, it feels like they need sort of new life to be breathed into this team. It feels like they need a spark because even though it's obvious they have, you know, the sort of the fundamentals down, mm -hmm. they have a, a good group of guys who have chemistry, clearly enjoy playing together yeah. and have proven that they have the capacity to be successful this season. There's a reason that the Quakes are still in fifth place in the Western Conference. There's a reason that even when they've been playing poorly, they've been able to get results and go toe to toe with the best teams in the league. And yet, it feels like you're coming to these issues with a lack of depth, a lack of options going forward, and teams being able to, to predict the way they're playing. Yep. And, yep. and as you're going into the second half of the season now, most of these teams have played the Earthquakes, if not once, two times yep. already. They know how to shut them down, and the Earthquakes need new pieces in this offense. They they need something creative, and I think that's exactly right. I mean, they they've you know, Danielle and Goal is fantastic. You know, he's 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 rock back there. You've got when your center backs are on, you've got a, a great defensive line. Your fullbacks, you know, you know between you know Carlos and, and Miguel, you know, you've got two really strong players on either side of, of your center back, and your your midfield. I mean, Jackson Yule is is playing you know quietly well. Um, we didn't even mention Carlos Grayso tonight. You know, mm -hmm. he played, <laughs> he started tonight and, and did everything I think that was asked of him, nothing spectacular, but that's exactly, you know, what the Quakes are looking for in a, sol in a solid defensive midfielder. But you're right, it's missing something beyond that now. And, it, you know, maybe the Quakes can get these, uh, these clean sheets here and there, but if they can't get the goals to go with them, it's going to be this very slow progression in the middle of the table and hopefully not a trending downward like we're, we're sort of seeing over these last couple of weeks. And, and if there's anything that tonight's game convinced me of, it's that the piece that the Earthquakes need is on the wing. Because yep. we saw Jameer Montero tonight have one of his better games this season. We saw him get on the score sheet. We saw him be able to distribute the ball well uh, into wide areas yep. when he was able to get on the ball. But it really feels like that left wing spot is where they need uh, that, that, that addition because – you know, there are questions about whether it's in the 10th spot, but if Jamiro Montero can continue to step up yeah. uh, and, and improve, 
then then it's focus is has got to be on that left wing. And, and, and so it, does, yeah. it, it, you know, this, I think where the fans are left is wondering how, how optimistic to be after a game like this. And, and the picture that Luigi Gonzalez was painting was, I think, probably the rosier picture, more rosy than, than I would give the team credit for it. And, and, you know, it's all of those things that we've been talking about. It's the fact that, you know, they made improvements over uh, the last time they played St. Louis, which is true, undoubtedly. And it's the fact that, you know, they had opportunities tonight to, yep. to tie the game, probably, you know, would have felt hard, hard done by not to get the, the draw. The fact that they, for, for stretches of the game, were dominant. I, I get that rosy picture, but the counter argument to that, that that I do want to make is that, look, this is a St. Louis team that lost, that has not won in, in their last four games. This right. is not the same St. Louis team that the Earthquakes played at the beginning of the season. This is at home. Uh, and, you know, the earthquakes have been good at home and, and have started to struggle a little bit more in, in terms of goal scoring at home. And, you know, they're becoming predictable and they, they don't look like the team they were at the beginning of the season. I think qualitatively, they don't have the same like this element of surprise in the attack. They, right. they don't have the same uh, dominance. They, it didn't feel to me like they were the protagonists. I guess that's what, what I'm trying to say here is that it didn't feel like they were in control of this game or they were do the dominant team in this game. And there were spells where they were, they were solid, but it felt like St. Louis was the one even away from home controlling the tempo with their press. And it felt like they were the ones in control of, of, of how they wanted this game to be played. Well, and I think there's a very interesting parallel coming up this weekend. If you look at this uh, game against the galaxy, you know, the quakes come into this game against St. Louis. It's now at home. They had that terrible loss on the road. But St. Louis is uh, missing two of their star players, and San Jose's adjustments came up just short on the scoreboard. You know, take out the penalty goal, and they did have more XG. And you take out the the one you know clear uh, uh, near miss by St. Louis at the end, where I don't remember who shot the ball into the scoreboard or mm -hmm. almost almost took out the top shelf at the bar. You know, you know, you take out both of those shots, and the Quakes were dominating. But these, it was chipping away at those XG numbers. You never, you know, you know. You know, Berkey made the saves he had to make, and they were good saves. But there was nothing that you know was save of the week, you know, quality. I would say necessarily out of the St. Louis goalkeeper. Now you look at Los Angeles, no Chicharito in the, in that game. You know, same scenario. Their top player, a player that's antagonized the Quakes quite a bit in the past. You know, not not there to uh, rile up the crowd and you know, get the clown dance out. Unfortunately, I was looking forward to uh, seeing what the Quakes fans had in response to that one. But, you know, the, you know, a Galaxy team that still has great, you know, good players, R Ricky Puge and, and, and the like, you know, that is going to be you know, looking for a fight in the Cali Classico. Can the Quakes take advantage of what they they do have, which is a good defense and, and, and a player like Espinosa and, and a, arguably a, a quality goal scorer and Jeremy Abolisi, can they make that work? Can Lucia make the adjustments this week and they can come out and, and win that game on Saturday? Because I said before this game to you, I felt this was a must win from a playoff positioning point of view. They can make the playoffs and they could lose four in a row and make the playoffs. I mean, that's, you know, the, 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 the <laughs> That's just the way the playoff system works in, 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 the, in, the, in the league this year. But to get good playoff positioning, this was the game they needed to get the, the, the result from. And they didn't get it. And now that really puts the pressure on next week's game to do the same. I, I, I think Ben Perez kind of encapsulates my mood pretty well here. Yeah. This, this loss is putting me into the meh 
part of the season where you're just doing a bunch of math to try to figure out whether the team deserved a point or not, which is just not the conversation that you want to be having at this stage of the season. You want to be having a like completely different conversation uh, with the team, you know, putting together dominant performances yeah. and the team playing on the front foot. You don't have to argue about those XG chances and how they add up. If, if you are the dominant protagonist, if you truly are, I totally agree. If, if, the, if we felt like Lucy, that this, this the Quakes team were the true protagonist tonight. Yeah. We would have been probably as frustrated as the players were in feeling like yeah. this could have been a four one result but, the other way. But I disagree with, with, with this comment from John Jay, that this is not a playoff yeah. team. This, this team has a quality to make the playoffs. Lest we forget there are nine teams in the Western conference this season that make the playoffs. And it's very close between those nine teams. But right now there's a pretty significant drop between that ninth team and the next team. There's like at least three or four points buffer. And so as Robert was saying, this match, the the difference, the reason this match was a must win is because the earthquakes want that home playoff spot. I think, you know, after about the end of May, you could start to say this team is going to make the playoffs unless something catastrophic happens, which we don't expect. It would have to be a collapse, you know, the size of, of, you know, the, the, the Almeida collapse at, at the beginning yeah, of his, it, his tenure. It would have, or, or a center back goes down another center back out for the season or yeah. Daniel gets hurt again and can't play because, you know, the Quakes have done so much to shore up a team that was terrible last year. And now they've got a foundation to be a playoff team, to be a, MLS Cup winner or to be a playoff winning team? I don't know. But they are a playoff team. Okay? <laughs> and, and that's where the questions start to change. I I, uh, I I think Calvin is right. Let's switch this. This is a playoff team. This is yes. definitely a playoff team. Is this a team that can get out of the first round of the playoffs? Probably not with not some. Not like tonight. Uh, yeah. Not like tonight and probably not without some additions. Yeah. And is this a team that can get a home playoff spot? That looks really, really difficult tonight. You see St. Louis vault all the way to first in the Western Conference. And while the Quakes hang on to fifth, that's not good enough. They need to get that fourth spot and they need to keep at bay the two teams directly below them who all have games in hand on the Earthquakes. And there are increasingly few opportunities for the Earthquakes to get points on the board. You only have, uh, I I think, uh, less than half of their home yeah. games remaining and uh we'll we'll be sure next time we're here with Jamin Moore to go through Jamin Moore's simulators Jamin Moore's simulators had said that this was a very very critical game for the earthquakes to secure that home playoff spot against a six-pointer against a western conference yeah. rival and that's what this loss means is yeah. that that home playoff spot is going to be increasingly out of reach and so that should still be the goal for the quakes to strive for but they need an addition in the secondary transfer window opens on on July 5th. Realistically, the next sort of viable starting left winger that the Earthquakes have could be a new addition. Cade Cowell is going to be gone at the Gold Cup. We saw him actually uh, get almost uh, 40 minutes of soccer tonight for the U.S. men's national team in their draw against Jamaica. Ideally, if the the U.S. make the semifinal final of of that tournament, uh, Cade Cowell would not be back until the end of July, which means after League's Cup. Uh, essentially because of the league cup break in the calendar, which means that July 5th, if the earthquakes can, can can make a move for a left winger early in that window and that left winger can get a few games in before league's cup or or be, uh, you know, uh, an option after league's cup that the next viable San Jose earthquakes uh, winger might not be Kate Cal might, might be a new addition because clearly uh, Jack Skane is not the, the the long-term solution there, even though he did solid, he didn't embarrass himself 
right? He did all the things that a midfielder would do on left wing. He did not create dangerous chances going forward. He did not press the tempo, uh, but he did uh, have some solid defense. He did pick up the ball in good places and distribute it to players who right. could do that. And, and I think the scenario too, you know, not only Cade missing for these games because of international duty, but if he puts in a good showing and the Quakes get the right offer, we may not see Cade in a Quakes uniform again. It's a conceivable that in this summer transfer window, their opportunity might be there. And so as we've seen the auditions for folks playing in that left uh, midfield role, no one's really uh, kind of risen to the to the top. I'm not sure there's going to be too many callbacks uh, for that audition. You know, it almost makes it even more imperative to be able to find that kind of attacking help at this point. And, and you know, I've seen the Quakes way too often use the summer trans transfer window as a what's the last day, not the what's the first day mentality. Um, but this has to be a first day, uh, first day effort. Get someone in now, even if it's in that audition phase, because you don't know how much longer you will have a Cade Cow and, and whether, uh, you know, you know, because, you know, he may he may play himself out of San Jose. All pressure on Chris Leach to uh, to step up to the plate, yeah. be able uh, to secure uh, another addition to improve this team. It does feel like, Robert, though, that the Cali Crosco is coming at the perfect time. Yeah. It, it feels like the Quakes, if you're entering the meh part of the season, right. if that's what we've established <laughs> in this Aftershock show, that is the kind of game that can wake a team up, that can get a team out of the meh part of the season, that can rejuvenate this team a little bit. A big win in the California Classico. You, know, you saw the team getting frustrated tonight maybe mentally have some lapses tonight that surely can can rejuvenate the psyche of this team yeah yeah it's going to be an interesting week you know the uh, you look at the weather report it's getting hotter and hotter every day this week the, the pressures on uh, both uh, you know temperature and 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 uh, just in the way the uh, the coaching staff's going to be on these guys this uh, this sets up to be a really good Opportunity. I'm going to use your word for it. And hopefully uh, it's not another uh, continuation of the, the summer of meh, but rather uh, maybe a little bit of a, a rejuvenation going into the, the, the holiday weekend there. Because I know Quakes fans uh, are got a little bit used to, uh, well, not losing at the very least. Uh, and and uh, the Cali Classico is one that uh, you know a lot of people circle on their calendar. That's the game they want to be at. And uh, the Quakes need to deliver. And we will be there live from Stanford Stadium along with 50,000 other earthquakes right. and Bay Area <laughs> soccer fans. So we look forward to that one. Before we wrap, I want to quickly uh, shout out all of our amazing patrons who make this show happen by contributing to the Quakes Epicenter Patreon for $2 a month. You can find it on the link right there on the screen. Uh, you can help make this show happen uh, for $2 a month. You get early access to the articles by all our wonderful contributors at Quake's Epicenter, Colin Etnire, Asher Cohn, Jamin Moore, Robert, me, the whole squad. Uh, and uh, for $5 a month, you can join the patron Slack, now up to over 100 Quake's fans. Uh, the patron Slack is the new Twitter. It I think is, that's what we're there. we're calling it. I, I don't spend, I don't, I don't, uh, uh, I no longer, maybe maybe for public benefit, uh, uh, let my internal monologue enter onto the Twitter sphere. But my internal monologue every now and again uh, makes an appearance on the, the Quake's Epicenter uh, Patreon. Uh, and then for $15 a month, you get our eternal thanks on the spot on the Quake's Epicenter uh, Patreon. So even if you are an existing uh, patron subscriber, you can always upgrade uh, your, your uh, uh, membership uh, to help us out here. Uh, yeah. All of the, the money goes into putting together amazing shows and maybe a few special surprises at the Cali Classico uh, this weekend. 
That's right. Or even here at PayPal, you might get away from the press box now and again. You never know what's, uh, what our patrons are going to be in for. So Exactly. And <laughs> so with that said, I want to bring us around uh, to the final thoughts. Robert Jonas, what do you take away from this loss at PayPal Park? Um, I really want to see that frustration channeled positively. And I feel like Lucci is the guy to make that happen with him and his coaching staff. You know, they got the uh, the anger out of their way. I'm sure a few butts were singed after the, the Houston game. And again, I, I believe that locker room is not going to be happy. Like Lucci even mentioned, listening to St. Louis celebrating the win from, from the visiting locker room, which is just right across the hall. And uh, even, even going back from the players' perspective, what went down at the Cali Classico last year. There's so much uh, of this uh, intangibles, if you want to call them, that I believe the, the Quakes can tap into this week. And uh, we move on to, uh, you know, again, what is often the high point of the summer. Hopefully it's a, a stepping, stone, stepping stone forward this summer as opposed to just the one game we all love because the, the lovable Quakes are playing at Stanford, but rather the Quakes are making the moves uh, in the right direction. Yeah, I, I watched that game and, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. After that game, I was disappointed in the way that Quakes played. I thought that St. Louis came to San Jose with a better game plan. They came to San Jose with more intensity. They were on the front foot uh, and, you know, they were the one controlling uh, the game. And, and, and also a little bit pessimistic about, you know, San Jose's ability to push for one of those home playoff spots without a really, really solid addition uh, in the attack this summer. But I'm not going to lie, Robert, I'm, I'm having trouble staying pessimistic even now, just talking about the Cali Classico, the excitement is getting to me. It's, it's hard to be pessimistic when you have one of the most fun events yeah. uh, in the Major League Soccer calendar happening next weekend. Uh, so don't let a game like this deter you from uh, that rivalry match. Even in the San Jose Earthquakes' worst seasons, those have produced exactly. some of the most entertaining yeah. games at Stanford Stadium. So with that said, we hope to see you all there. We're looking forward to the California Classico at Stanford Stadium next weekend. Uh, so we want to thank everyone for, for joining us here uh, tonight on the Aftershock show. Uh, for Alex Morgan, uh, for Robert Jonas, for our whole crew at Quake's Epicenter, uh, we really appreciate all of y'all and we will see you next weekend.